It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. And this is my interview with the production designer for The Tender Bar, Kalina Ivanov. Your grandfather is a selfish old prick who resents taking care of his family. And yet, you all end up back here at my house. Welcome. Your only uncle, but I'm also your favorite uncle. Right? Sounds like something. Maybe. <laughs> I have no idea how, but you are going to law school. So you can sue your father for child support. No. So he can help with your fines about the septic tank. No, here we go. Hey, whose kid is that? My sister. Which sister? The hot one or the crazy one? What, you want to die? <laughs> okay, two rules. I'm never going to let you in. And I'm going to always tell you the truth. Your father is a deadbeat. I'll take care of you. Teach you the male sciences. I saw you in the yard playing sports. You're not very good. You'll find some other activities. I like to read. You read enough of those? Maybe. You could become a writer. One more thing, very important. Never hit a woman. Even if she stabs you with scissors. Got it. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Got an announcement. Today my nephew is officially a man. It is a great pleasure to offer you a place in the Yale class of 1986. Hey, I'm JR. Sydney, you're in my class. I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm on my way. So what do you want to be, JR? I'm going to be a writer. What's your main theme? The absent father. Poor boy who wants a rich girl. She doesn't love you. What you do next is going to be important. You go and stare up at the building in the rain. No. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. What are you going to do without the bad guy in your life? In life, you got to have it. If you don't have it, you never get it. All right, everybody, I am being joined right now by the production designer for the new film, The Tender Bar, Kalina Ivanov. Kalina, how are you today? I am very good, and you can hear me all the way from London. So yeah. <laughs> yay technology. <laughs> yay for technology and uh, not so much a yay for time zone differences. But I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time today to chat with me about your uh, latest project here and collaboration with uh, George Clooney. Uh, I want to first start off by asking, you know, this was a project that was shot during the pandemic. And as a result of that, I imagine that there were uh, limitations put on place. Uh, When it comes to, you know, the world that we're living in now, what made this experience uh, highly unique and different than others you've worked on? 
Well, to start with, uh, you know, we all had to adapt to the new rules of COVID shooting, which mm-hmm. meant that uh, while I normally have more access to the set, uh, because I was in group B, I actually can only open set, show it to the director, discuss everything that needed to be done. And then once the actors arrived, I needed to leave. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's a big difference for me from how I have worked previously. Other than that, conceptually and everything else, uh, there's no really difference in a sense. You know, you're not looking at, at the locations in any different way. I think that uh, George chose this project specifically for COVID times. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to do um, the boys uh, in the boat, which is what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So he kind of swapped the two projects. Um, and from the very beginning, we all agreed that we're going to build the bar and the house on stage mm. so that we can protect the crew and 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 the actors um, and so really, I mean, aside from wearing a mask all the time and having very strict protocols and being tested, which to be honest, I find very reassuring and, and quite welcoming. Um, I don't think that the creative process was any different other than the fact that we had to work a lot more remotely. Uh, you know, that's an interesting kind of COVID world thing. So a lot of my team, not just George, the director uh, and the DP, but a lot of my team was working remote. And that makes you truly hone on your um, communication skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Some very interesting uh, positive things came out of that whole process. <laughs> You're dealing with uh, two different timelines in this movie here, both of them set in the past, uh, one being the 1970s, the other being the 90s. So nothing contemporary that you could just go out into the world and shoot necessarily as is. Um, And like you said before, having control over these uh, sound stages. Can you talk about uh, the kind of preparation that goes into doing research on a different time period, um, even one that is not necessarily that far removed. But, you know, still, I mean, we're in 2021 right now. Uh, 70s was a pretty, pretty decent time ago. <laughs> it's really, it, it, it was the 70s and the 80s. And the project, I think it ends up right up to, I think it ends at 87, 88, when I did the timeline. Um, so we're pushing into the 90s, but not yet quite there. Okay, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, cell phones, no, not even, you know, <laughs> yet. <laughs> that's how you know which decade you're in. Um, so the, the very first thing, of course, as a designer, you go to photograph photographers from the time period. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, one of the most famous photographers from the 70s is William Eggleston. Uh, and part of it is because not only did he capture uh, normal life, but he also has such a wonderful quirky eye. So naturally, um, I went to his um, imagery first, and I added also a, a bit of Bill Owens, to who is like the king of suburbia, because just to get that life of the family, 12 people in one tiny house with one bathroom that's broken, uh, you know, the uh, Bill Owens really captures that chaos, chaos of American life from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really, when you are doing uh, a project like that, yes, you the characters live in the 70s and the 80s and, and their immediate, um, what they're wearing and what they're carrying with them, the props and the costumes will be from that period. But the sets are not necessarily from that period. There will be things from the period in them. But when you think about, you're building the history of each environment. So when you go 
and try to uh, create the house, you go down of like, okay, grandpa is in his seventies. When did he get married? What year did he buy the house? Mm. So I kind of pitched George uh, the idea that it was 1944 because I wanted it to be post-war for the house. I wanted him to have uh, the opportunity to come back from the war or but not, not the, didn't want it to be during the war. I just wanted mm-hmm. to be that kind of Americana, the happiest period in American culture, actually, when people, people came back from the war and there was a lot of optimism. Uh, so, um, so I went and looked at a lot of Long Island houses from the 40s. Um, in that sense. So you're building a house from the 40s. Um, and then for the bar, I think I pitched 1928 mm-hmm. because I did a lot of research on Manhasset. And what's so interesting about the whole area, it's Port Washington, Manhasset. Um, it's it's where actually a lot of the great Gatsby um, mentions are. It's a very, very wealthy area right on the water. But the servants lived in Manhasset. So Manhasset is where, with the smaller houses, where the servants were. So Plandome Road, which connects, to this day exists, uh, connects basically New York to that part of Long Island, had at the time about 29 bars. Really, like at the time, the Dickens, in the Dickens Bar, historically, was one of those bars. Well, but it was the most popular bar because of this particular charm and of the people who work there. And um, the owner, Steve, was quite a character. And I think Uncle Charlie is, uh, in our story, is supposed to be that character from, mm-hmm. uh, from, the, from the memoir. So again, so when I did the bar, I went back. So I was really doing a 1928 bar. And then little by little, you see all the decades in it. And you're building this history. And it's really my most um, cherished time is when I do the research, because so much of the ideas and of the look of the bar or the house, it comes from that um, really priceless time to do research and 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 from uh, and it's grounded in history and grounded in authenticity. Because what George told me in my interview is that he wanted everything to feel very authentic, and he encouraged me to see. Uh, Dear Hunter to rewatch it. Obviously, I had seen Dear Hunter, but to rewatch it again mm-hmm. and said, take a look at the bar in Dear Hunter. It's really a true uh, a working class bar. Um, let's not make it too big. Let's get the right scale. And um, that gave me a very good feel about what he was going for. And he wanted it to feel like a 70s movie. He wanted, like, you know, the flares and the lens, the zoom, the whole, the, the real kind of 70s feel for it. For it. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, it's Spanish. And it's Verlaine, and we are Game Fix. Hey, where are you going to get the latest video game news and reviews? Anywhere on the internet. No, no, no. Where, where are you going to get unfiltered opinions, brutal truths, and pretty much things nobody has the balls to say? Ah, then, my friend, you're talking about us, the Game Fix podcast. Damn right I am. 
If you want to join us for our takes on gaming news, honest gaming reviews, and celebrity interviews. Oh, we're doing this rhyming thing? Well, then get on your shoes. We'll eliminate your blues. Hey, you might end up with some really heavy clues. No, no. no. Find our podcast on iTunes or our website at GameFixShow.com. Hey, maybe video games aren't your thing. I was a loser once, too. We talk movies, comics, toys. To convince you that everything that we just said is true, here's Duke Nukem. Cheers, love. The Calvary's here. No, 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 no. The other line, man. Take it from me, Duke Nukem. Either listen to the Game Fix podcast or go f*** yourself. I don't really care. Whoa! Whoa. It's funny because I grew up uh, on Long Island, so seeing um, the way that that was recreated here is always a treat for me uh, as someone who lived there for 20 plus years, so uh, that's always I always get a kick out of that. Um, and I also really enjoyed uh, some of the work that was done in the house as a way to uh, evoke a character's uh, mood or a character personality type. I understand that a lot of detail went into um, the wallpaper and the look of the house really to match that. Can you talk a little bit about the work that went into that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, the house, um, some of the details of the house were brilliantly described in the novel, in the, in the memoir, um, J.R. Uh, Moringer's book, The Tender Bar, uh, including the bicentennial couch. It's really hilarious. So, um, so, so it's, there's like pages of description of the house. So you take that and then you kind of, once you get the cast, it really informs you of how the director also sees the, uh, the characters. So we knew from the beginning that Ben Affleck was going to play the, the uncle and then Christopher Lloyd was going to be grandpa. And that really informed me in terms of how I was going to go about the look of the house. Mm-hmm. And so for the bicentennial couch, we stayed true with the bicentennial print, but we made it our own. We created our own. But then I really wanted to create the the house again to be grandpa's house it's his house mm-hmm. that dream that he had in the 1940s when he started a family and had three kids of that dream of being a happy environment and giving that people could go on trips and and in reality and in the in the in the film grandpa went to dartmouth he was highly educated he was a really bright person uh, but today we would probably say he was a little bit on the spectrum because he went to work on Wall Street, made money, but absolutely hated it and quit like mid 30s. I think he was like uh, uh, mid 30s when he quit, made enough mm-hmm. money. He calculated I made enough money to just live the rest of my life and support my family. And that's it. And uh, to eke an existence. And that's what he did. And so the house, then no one kept it up. It just kept, you know, it kept you know, decay and decay and decaying and no one's fixing and he's doing the plumbing. And um, it, it really tells you so much about the character. So everything that you see is from that original happy home. And then you see it decayed and aged and nothing really has changed except that you would get a television for the seventies. And then we got one for the eighties. Uh, but they're very subtle changes like that. Really, the whole point was the house just never changes. Mm-hmm. Just people come in and go and the kids grow out of it. And then sadly, when they come back there, they have to go and live in their own childhood bedrooms. And that was sort of the idea that I wanted to create. So we uh, specifically designed um 
the mother's Lily Rabe's character bedroom where she goes with young JR. So that was our design for the bedroom, for her childhood bedroom. Then for Uncle Charlie, we figured he just painted over it <laughs> because he he just he never even left the house. So he just went over and painted over the wallpaper. And then downstairs in the dining room, it was also that kind of design. And it was very much about uh, going camping in the woods and having that beautiful summertime with your kids. So that, those were some of the ideas that uh, were woven into the into into the uh, environments. And you know, for Sydney's uh, parents, you also then have to display this contrast here uh, between uh, upper middle class uh, and also the way that Jr. and his family are living as well. So, can you talk a little bit about conversations you had with George about? where exactly they were supposed to be in terms of wealth because it's interesting because I'm watching you know uh the scenes there and I'm saying to myself okay they're not obscenely wealthy but there is definitely a very very large difference here between um as you mentioned before like that great Gatsby sort of area of Long Island and well let's just say like the area I grew up in Long Island and in, su- in the southern part <laughs> but you know definitely a pretty big contrast there well, that was the that was the whole point. We had to find a very small house. So the mm-hmm. very first um, order for me as a designer was to find the exterior, because I really couldn't design the interior until I got the exterior. It needed to feel organic to the to, to the exterior. So when I found it with our wonderful location manager Charlie Harrington, um, I just loved this house because it was tiny and was surrounded by giant homes. And you can tell how this is literally the house where grandpa is just sticking a middle finger to everybody. I am (laughs) not going to change a thing. I am not going to, I'm not going to paint it. And you can have the perfect hedges and the perfect grass, but I'm not going to do anything. And we even created a garden in the back that at the, at the beginning in 1940s, he had a garden and then it's just completely decayed and broken and the little gate to it. There were a lot of details like that that tell you the whole history of the property. And then you see his first car, the 1954 Chevy, uh, just on, 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 on uh, cement blocks, basically. And then you see him in his newer car from the late 60s. Uh, the pictures car had a lot to do with it, but we were very conscientious about portraying class. And that's why we wanted, and we wanted the house to feel that it really does have one bedroom, uh, one bathroom, excuse me, because mm-hmm. it's such a strong point of view, uh, a story point that, that there is only one bathroom that barely works. It's like that in the novel. And it's like that in the, um, and, and in the film. And I keep calling a novel, but it's a memoir. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> and one of the uh, scenes also that stood out to me uh, when I was watching it from a production design standpoint, I mean, if you do any research into Long Island, uh, one of the things that people love to do for fun is go to bowling alleys. And there is a scene in this movie where you have to recreate a bowling alley from uh, that era. And I'm curious to know what went into that because uh that seems like very much it had to be a from the from the bottom up uh kind of recreation it, it seemed like so funny story about it it was not a bowling alley in the script okay it, it was supposed to go to a Mets game okay it was supposed to go to a baseball game mm-hmm. but because of COVID and because of uh the restrictions of the budget it was not a very big budget movie um we went and scouted some stadiums and we realized that the amount of money and extras we would have to do to recreate mm. a baseball game 
was simply drowning, the, uh, taking too much resources for one scene of the film where we actually really needed it to do the bar properly and to do the house properly and all these very, very important other much bigger sets in the, in the film. And so we started thinking of alternate ideas. Where would, where would Uncle Charlie take little young JR? And I think our bashing ideas, I just was throwing ideas around. I just said, like, how about a drive-in? You know, that's a very, that's something that we don't have anymore uh, or very little, left very little of it. It's very much of the period. How about a bowling alley? And suddenly everybody went, bowling alley, yes. <laughs> of course, all the, it, the bowling alley is a real bowling alley. This is it. Oh, it's, wow. It's not been changed. I only enhanced the exterior. Uh, you know, but uh, the interior, I mean, yes, we created a bar area and things like that. Yes, we helped the interior, of course, but the lanes and everything is just as it is. Wow. And and it's the small, it's the candle, um, what are they called? Candle pins, I think. Mm-hmm. It's the small balls, right? And so immediately, because that's what we shot in Massachusetts and Boston, that area is full of these beautiful period 1950s bowling alleys. And so I did research and lo and behold, Long Island had them. And so once we cleared that, we were like, and so, uh, I mean, George loved that location and really ended up being like so much better actually than going to the baseball game, which at the end of the day, when you have to rely on CGI, uh, it would not have felt as authentic in in many ways. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. have just different scale and different kind of feel, but I think it worked really well, Uh, really sort of like, it's one of those things that happens by what I call lucky accidents Mm -hmm. (laughs) when in the creative process. (laughs) <laughs> I, I also love too that uh, it was supposed to be a Mets game because God forbid it was a Yankees game and you have Ben Affleck cast in your film. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there was never going to be a Yankees game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Kalina, I really appreciate you taking the time here to talk with me about your work on this film. Uh, the Tender Bar is going to be released uh, in theaters uh, in limited release on December 17th and a wide expansion on the 22nd, followed by streaming on Prime Video on January 7th. Thank you very, very much uh, for taking the time today. Thank you so much. Really a great pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. You enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the production designer for The Tender Bar, Kalina Ivanov, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. The Tender Bar is currently playing in theaters and will be available to stream on Amazon Prime Video on January 7th, 2022. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.